you're listening to audio from the West End Community Church in McGregor, Manitoba. We're blessed enough to be called the flock of the Lord. Psalm 100, verse 3. Look that up. It's put there very clearly. And the people were proud of this. The one who leads us is great and mighty. And so Jesus here turns the conversation towards this imagery. And he's trying to leave no ambiguity at all as to whom he's speaking of and who they actually are uh, in this illustration. Who is he calling out for spiritual blindness? Who is he calling out as a thief? He's calling them out, the Pharisees, right? It's a continuation. And he's continuing the point he's continuing to point out their lack of understanding, understanding who God truly is, what he requires, and, and what is planned to take place. He comes at it here. Anyone who enters the sheepfold or the pen by any means but the door is a thief. But the shepherd who comes through the door needs but speak, and those that are his will follow. So, fun little history bit here. Sheepfolds were located at just about every town and village, right? Um, Multiple flocks would be kept within these pens, these enclosures. They didn't have separate stalls for different people to lead their sheep into. You walked through the one door, sheep everywhere, okay? Intermingled, crowded in with each other, mixed up. Anybody here worked with sheep before? They look shockingly similar. Um, I don't know if you could look at one versus the next and be like, oh, that's so-and-so without a tag, right? They didn't have tags back then. So the next day as they would exit the pen, how did they figure this out? Well, they didn't just keep track of how many they came up with and just like divvy it out at random. Like, you came in with how many? Okay, I came in with this. Just like draw the line here. You take those ones. That's not how it worked. The shepherds would call their sheep and they would go to them. Now, what's unique and fascinating here is often when we look at these passages, and it may come up because it's not entirely out of place, a huge focus is put on how dumb sheep are. Right? We've all heard a sermon here somewhere about how stupid sheep are, how in need of a leader they are. That is true. We'll bounce into that a little bit tonight or this morning. But we'll also see when what we should see here is not just the stupidity of the sheep, but the absolute love of the shepherd. As the shepherd would bring his sheep into the sheepfold, one door, small, right? He would check every individual sheep for injury, sickness, any sort of issue that would hurt the sheep or the others around it. In Ezekiel uh, 18, I believe it is, it talks about God's people passing under his rod, and that's what the imagery is relating to here. The shepherd would hold out his rod, check the sheep, send them out, and the same thing would happen in the morning. He would call, and they would come out, checked once again to make sure that they were healthy, well, and that the number hadn't changed. By a word of their mouth, the sheep would line up, disperse in their separate groups, and follow their specific shepherd. There's actually videos of this in the modern day. Like, this is still a thing. I I was fascinated to see this at one of our pastors' meetings for the local AGC pastors in this area. Two uh, shepherds in in a nation where shepherding is still prominent. And you see these men meeting on a busy road. Vehicles everywhere, people running in and out, other animals and two giant herds of sheep just meeting. And it turns into an absolute mess of white fluff, and you don't know where one sheep ends and the other begins. But the amazing part of the video is you hear the, sh- the shepherds continuously whistling, singing, speaking, and the sheep just lock onto it and follow them. It's incredible. 
And the relevance here to all of this, the sheepfold, the sheep know their, their shepherd, their master's voice, to the relevance to Jesus' situation is what? God's people, God's flock, know God's voice. They know his words. And one of the biggest mistakes that's made when people look at this passage and, and seek to interpret it is that they look at the sheepfold or the pen as heaven, as salvation. And I'm here to inform you this morning, that's, that's not what it is, actually. Yes, we know that Jesus is the only way by which you are saved. That's true. I'm not disputing that fact. But what's happening here is this. God calls his people to the sheepfold which is a picture of Israel, Judaism. My people, God says, are set apart for me, set apart, secure, in this place, the promised land, mine. And I will protect them. I will watch over them. I will lead them. No other voice will they follow. No other thing will protect and keep them. And anything that claims to do so is a thief. My people follow me, period. But does the sheepfold give life? No. When we look at salvation, security, eternal life, that is not what we see in the sheepfold. It is a temporary security. Fun little fact about sheep. If they're put into a place to graze, they will graze and graze and graze till there's nothing left. And then once everything's eaten, they will not move on on their own to a new space. They will just continue to walk in circles, eating the excrement of the sheep in front of them until it inevitably kills them. So the sheepfold maybe was built on a place with something to eat underneath, but eventually that disappears. It is not life-giving. It is temporary security. And the Pharisees don't seem to understand what Jesus is saying here, and they don't get the, the happening of this illustration. They're not keeping up. So Jesus goes a step further and says, right, verse 6, they weren't understanding, so he said again, I know it says he said again, and then he says something different here, but keep, let's just track with it. He goes a step further. I am the door. I am the gate. I am the way in. The one who stands in the entrance, the one whose rod you pass under, the very entrance itself. No one gets in except through me. This is old news for us who have walked in this for a long time, Right? Only way to salvation, only way to be called a child of God is through Jesus. It's not anything of us or what we have done, but him, his call on our lives. But for those who don't know, who haven't walked in this, this is amazing news. There's no need to climb over that fence, that jagged wall, those nasty thistles. Fun fact as well. Okay, I know that some illustrations have been made. The crown of thorns that Jesus wore, the types of thistles and thorns they had in that country make our thistles here look like cotton balls, like nasty stuff. There's no need to climb over that wall. There's only to follow his voice and to be brought into that security. In the beginning, right, was the word, his word, he himself made flesh. And now that life, that one made flesh, those, he who was spoken of is given to us in these words here. not just the writings of Jesus. If we look at the Bible as a whole, the Old Testament included foretells Jesus coming, 
God's plan for redemption, and Jesus has been beating that drum all the way through this book. My voice, my words, listen and hear. Chapter 7 of the book of John, Jesus says, I come not of my own accord, but with my Father's words according to his word. Again in chapter 8, verse 19, you don't know me or my Father. If you knew my Father, you'd know who I was. If you knew his words, if you were following, you would see, but you don't. God's word is foreign to you, you Pharisees, even though you would claim such great knowledge of it. I just talked with a Bible college student this week, actually. It was a Thursday or Friday, Friday morning, I think, um, about a paper they're writing for school. And in our conversation, we ended up in Revelation 2 looking at the church in Ephesus. Right? Things look good. They look the right way. They look like the church should. They look like God's people should. But you've forgotten your first love. Your hearts are far from me. The same is being said of these men here. These men might claim knowledge of God's word. They may seem to walk in righteousness. They may look awfully holy. And yet for a man to be healed, they're enraged. And when they question him and he says, hey, I don't know what to tell you. I couldn't see, now I can there must be something to this guy. Their response is to, in their rage, toss him out of the synagogue. They cannot see. And what Jesus is belaboring the point on here now is, you cannot see, and not only that, you cannot hear. You are blind, deaf, and dumb. And yet you walk with words that you would present as wisdom and truth. They cannot see, they cannot hear God's word. And so Jesus' words aren't just an indictment towards them. They're a proclamation and a reminder of what's coming. By me, God, Jesus, right, the gate, by my grace were you elected to be my people, Israel, the Jewish nation. I called you into the sheepfold, right? I called you into this place. You didn't do anything to earn it. I called, you followed into that fold, and you thought that was life. What is there to graze on? We just talked about that. It's gross. It gets bad if you stay in the pen. And so Jesus says, I called you in. I gave you that security, but the door goes both ways, guys. And now I will call my people to go out, to graze, to pasture. I will call my people away from Judaism because you've gotten lost. You've lost sight of my word. You've lost sight of who my Father is, through Jesus now will people be chosen. To be in the pen means nothing. To follow the voice of the shepherd means everything. Through my Son, declares the Father, through my Son, people will be declared mine. If you do not follow his voice and you stay in that pen, you aren't his. That leads to destruction. That is the straggler who is left behind for the thief to drag away. The Pharisees did not lead by God's word. Not, in, not the fullest of it anyway, right? We know that these are men who knew the scriptures of the Old Testament, but they took pieces of it and focused so hard on those that they missed the rest. They were stifled by tradition and dogma so much so that they missed the foretelling of this man who was now standing in front of them. They led by their own word and their own will, and they themselves became thieves, 
hopping that fence to steal people away instead of leading by God's word. The thief only comes to kill and destroy. That's important. I came across, a, I, I found it a pretty comical story as I was studying this week of a man giving a tour through the Holy Land telling these kind of stories about shepherds and sheep and how they hear the voice and they follow and he sees a herd of sheep and he's like, perfect, time for this illustration. I'm going to tell the story. He tells people about how sheep follow the voice of the shepherd. Then he sees a man chasing them, throwing rocks and sticks at them to get them where he wants them to go. This man is incredibly embarrassed. And so as they get close enough to this man herding these sheep, he steps towards him and says, sir, what are you doing? I thought shepherds could lead their flock only by their voice. And the man looked at the tour guide and said, Sir, you, make, you mistake yourself. I'm the butcher. <laughs> the voice of the shepherd leads to life. Any other forced direction leads to death. They will not follow the voice of the thief, only their shepherd. The thief has to drag away. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the only way to life. This is the reality and truth of the church, and this is what we want you to understand as we stand up here and speak to you. If I or Pastor Myron from this stage approach any of this from a desire of wanting to be loved, respected, heard, for our words to be followed, if we want you to be dependent on us, then we are thieves and killers. Because our job is not to make much of ourselves or our words, our cool stories, our humor. Our job is simply to speak God's word to you. One of the most popular psalms. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Where does he take me? Green pastures, still waters. He doesn't keep me in the pen. He doesn't keep me locked there. He leads me in the ways of righteousness. So now we understand what Jesus is calling them out on. You've lost sight of that. You don't see, you don't hear. I am the only way that you can be brought to salvation. Only me, only God's words, only his perfect plan put in place from the beginning of time to redeem his creation. And you've missed it. Mic drop moment for Jesus at the Pharisees there. But what do we do with it today? How do we make a sermon out of this? How do I send you home with something that's applicable and not just, hey, here's some knowledge about shepherds. See ya. Right? What do we do with it? Is there application? Yes. And I'm going to keep it simple. Two things, two points, and I promise you I don't have like subpoints under my points. So two things. I'll tell Myron I said that. He knows. <laughs> Two things to take home from today. What do we do with a passage like this? Keep your eyes on Jesus. John is the what book? The I am book. Why? Because only through him can people be saved. So keep your eyes fixed firmly on him. And please, I ask of you, listen to his word. Don't just listen to me. Listen to his word. Don't sleep on it. Don't just trust someone else. Don't bank on us being right up here all the time. See what he says. Don't be content with me because I'll let you down. I'm just a man. A man called here, thankful that I am, as I said at the beginning of this message. But I'm not the shepherd that gives life. 
seeking to be an under-shepherd, under the master-shepherd, doing my darndest just to speak his words to you on his behalf. But please, you listen to him. Hear the voice of your master. Thing number two. I'm going to backtrack a little bit here. This is where the application gets really real for us, okay? We're going to look at an almost forgotten character in this illustration. In verse 3, we see another guy talked about. In verse 3, we see, right, we'll start at verse 2 and we'll look at it. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. Verse 3, the watchman, or depending on your translation, the porter, opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. The watchman opens the gate, and then the sheep listen to his voice. Who is this watchman? Who is the porter? He's the Holy Spirit. I struggled with this when I was looking at it, I'll be honest with you, and I came across some words by a a commentator named J. Vernon McGee who said, "The, the watchman is in fact the Holy Spirit of God who came upon Jesus and absolutely everything he did in his earthly ministry. God, triune as he is, does not function separate from himself. The Spirit opens the ears of the sheep that they might follow the words of their shepherd. This ties us to the previous chapter, right? The Pharisees were not only blind, but deaf to the word of the shepherd. The Holy Spirit was not with them. They were looking to be their own masters, their own, their knowledge was just so, they were so proud of themselves for it. But back to the application, right? The Spirit opens our ears to hear, and then when we believe, it indwells within us. We who are saved, we who are called children of God, have the Holy Spirit alive and at work in us. It opens our ears. It lives in us. The connection. I want you to think back to the story I shared of the girl from Brazil at the beginning. Did the picture save this girl from her life? No. The picture did not save her but the words written on it did. We, as we follow Jesus, ought to follow him so closely. Close enough, I'm going to go back to the shepherding illustrations. If a, shepherd, uh, if a sheep was prone to wandering, a shepherd would actually break its legs, carry it on its shoulders as the leg healed, and once the leg healed and they put the sheep down, it would never, never separate itself from its master. That's pretty cool. Sounds harsh. I'm not a guy who weakly goes, Lord, please break my legs so I can follow you better. I like my legs. I like that they take me where I want to go. Um, But we as people with the Spirit dwelling within us ought to be following so closely to him that for people to look at us, they have to see him. We grow in the likeness and image of our Savior as we grow in righteousness and holiness as this relationship continues. Have you ever hung out with a person a lot and then you find you start picking up on like some of their characteristics and doing things like they do? The same is so true of our walk with our Savior. Walk so close as a sheep attached at his leg. When people look, they will see. Was that the girl's mother in the foyer waiting for her in the lobby? No. There's a picture of her. And from that picture came the mother's words. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, I love you. Come home. So the application here, be in God's word. 
know who he is, what he requires, how he has called us. And then go be a picture of him in this world so that when people look to you, you can present God's word to them because your lifestyle, your actions, your good deeds, none of those things will save anybody. But Jesus, the good shepherd, can. And we can't find that anywhere else but here. Listen to his voice. Walk through that door, I beg of you if you haven't. And let that spirit that is now in you work through you to open others' ears as well that they might see and follow the good shepherd. I am the door, right? The security of these walls means nothing. The joy in the presence of this place means nothing if we aren't led out into pasture to exercise that which we've been given here. I am the door. I'm going to backtrack into my conversation with that student again here. Jesus saves. You do not. You don't save yourself. You don't save anyone else. But that doesn't mean we just sit here on Sunday and do nothing with it. So much in the church we've mistaken, we've confused and mistaken effort and earning is the same thing. The shepherd leads, but the sheep follow. And if they're his, they have to follow. They don't just sit in that fold. We're called to go. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be followers of this shepherd, recognizing that only by walking through him, only by being led by him have we come to this place. Only by his grace are we saved. Only by his grace will others be saved. And yet he and his spirit uses us as a part of that work. So I plead with you today, walk through the door. Or if you know someone who needs to, show them the door that they might see and hear as well and not be spiritually blind or deaf. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you for uh, the way you have shown yourself to us here. God, what an amazing thing that, that you have called us And all we had to do was follow. You completed an amazing work that we never could. You have done such a thing, Lord, that we might be called yours, the flock of of God. Not needing to be born into a certain nation, not needing to belong to a certain religious sect, not needing to have to do anything to or of ourselves, but Lord, just to listen to receive, to respond. It is incredible to think. And what an amazing picture, Lord. You as the gateway to life. I pray that as we walk through that door, we would seek to bring others with us. I pray that as we walk out the doors of this building today, that we would recognize the door that we have walked through and giving the lordship of our lives to you. And I pray, God, that we would be faithful as we seek to listen and follow that we might be nourished that we might grow and that your name might be made known in Jesus name we pray Amen